just had a good friend of mine over that I had not seen in a long time because he moved to the other side of town, the other side of the world. Uh, but anyway, so he had not heard that I had written a book, and my wife came in and was telling him that, you know, well, hey, we'll stand us written a book. Oh, get out of town, really? You know, how come I didn't hear about this? So anyway, so when he came over, I talked to him about my book. And in the process of explaining my book, what I really did was kind of do an overview of Bible prophecy, just understanding Bible prophecy, because he's a an avid prophecy student, loves prophecy, loves our ministry. And so in the process of explaining it to him, I thought, you know, that's really probably be a pretty good way to explain what's in the book by just doing my best to try to explain an overview of prophecy in one 30-minute radio program. So that's what I'm going to try to do today. I'm going to try to explain to you what I explained to him about the book. So here goes. I said, well, what happens? I said, about two years ago, I began to memorize the book of Revelation. I said, you know, I'm kind of in the prophecy ministry. He said, yes. I said, so I just decided it would be a good project to memorize the book of Revelation. I started memorizing it. And to my surprise, I started getting revelations. He said, really? I said, yeah. I said, and I got 30 revelations and two visions and an audible voice. And I said, now here's essentially what it showed me. I said, the audible voice was this. And I turned over to the back, you know, where I have the charts laid out. And there's two charts, one that ties the feasts to the prophecies. The other chart is the last seven years. And I said, what the audible voice said was, the seven seals play over seven years. And I pointed to them. And I said, the seven trumpets play over the last seven months. The seven vials play over the last seven days. Really? He said, that's amazing. He said, everybody's been wanting to know that. I said, yeah. He says, so you got a revelation? I said, yeah, I did. In that case, I mean, I can't tell you how many times that would have helped me through the years. I made several charts, and several of them were wrong. And just having that one sentence was priceless. And I said, now, the next thing I said, what he showed me is that there is a secret door. There's one specific word in Leviticus 23, the word first fruits, that links through time to the same first fruits words found in Revelation 14, verse 4. First fruits. And I said, and when you know that secret door, all of a sudden, the feasts become a pattern. The You know, the seven feasts. Passover and leavened bread, first fruits, Pentecost, trumpets, atonement, and tabernacles. And I said, and what I discovered, what I was shown is, that those seven feasts are like a pattern that the revelations, the prophecies, fit into. And all of a sudden, you can line up the prophecies in order. He said, really? He said, that is so powerful, so important to know. And I said, well, that's what I thought, too. He says, so God really showed you something. I said, yeah, as far as I know, nobody on the planet Earth has been shown this. I said, as a matter of fact, just like the morning star. I didn't know what the morning star was, but it just came to me in a revelation. And I said, so I Googled the, the words morning star. And there was all kinds of pictures and this sort of stuff. and that, But no one 
had got the revelation that the morning star is actually a light sword that comes out of Jesus' mouth. It's also what comes out of the two witnesses' mouth that destroys those people that are attacking the two witnesses. I said, and that's the reason, you remember the scripture says, as lightning shineth even from the east unto the west, so also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. He said, that's it. I said, that's it. He said, that's awesome. I said, so, like, for example, now, and I looked at my chart here. I said, for example, Passover, we know that Jesus fulfilled Passover. He was crucified the afternoon before Passover. He was our Passover lamb. He said, yeah. I said, then he was in the grave for three days. He was perfect and sinless, so he was our unleavened bread. He said, yeah. And I said, we also know that he arose out of the grave on first three. He said, yeah. And I said, however, when he arose, that stopped time. That is a major question that I have always wanted to know. What is it that stopped prophetic time? What stopped the prophetic count? And then what stops it? Again, I said, here's another one of the revelations. It stopped on first fruits with the resurrection of Jesus. And prophetic time starts counting again when he returns again on first fruits. He said, shut up, really? I said, yeah. He said, so really, God has shown you some major understanding. I said, yeah, 30 revelations. I said, so here's another thing. I cannot tell you how many times that I have told people, well, Jesus returns one more time. You know, returns as the line of the tribe of Judah, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, sets his foot down upon the Mount of Olives. They split into the north, south, the east, the west, all that sort of stuff. He said, yeah. I said, wrong. He said, you're kidding. I said, No. I said, that's another one of the revelations. He didn't come one more time. He comes twice. I said, now, for example, you remember that when he ascended, when he arose in front of the disciples, Acts one eleven. remember the angel was standing next by, and they said, ye men of Galilee, why, and he interrupted, he started quoting the verse to me, you know, being another pastor, and he has a church and all. And he quoted the verse. He said, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up as this same Jesus shall come in like manner? Okay, and I said, so what did Jesus leave as? He left as a lamb. He was in a lamb body. As you recall, that he told Thomas to touch the nail scars and touch the sword entering his side. Remember, he just had fish with his disciples. He was in a lamb body. And so he says the next time he returns, he once again, that's Acts one eleven. ye men of Israel, why stand you gazing, me men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up? This same Jesus shall return, and he quoted it. He said, in like manner. I said, meaning the next time he returns, he returns in a lamb body, not a lion body. He returns as a lamb, as the prince of the kings of the earth, means he's not king of kings and lord of lords yet. He said, of course. Of course, I never saw it that way. I said, yeah, that's the point. I said, we didn't put all these things together. He said, so he showed you the secrets in the end time? I said, I believe so. I said, now, when he returns, he returns with 144,000. He said, get out of town. I said, yeah, absolutely. 144,000 one-year-old Israeli boys, but I didn't have time to go and explain all that, but that's 30 minutes to explain that. And I said, now, what do they do? They walk around on Mount Zion. I said, Mount Zion is about a 30-minute walk from Mount of Olives. And I said, again, I, I never saw that he returns the next time to Mount Zion, and I quoted the verse. I said, Revelation 14.1, I looked, and lo, a lamb stood upon the Mount Zion. Notice it didn't say Mount of Olives. It said Mount Zion. 
He said, he did. He showed you the secrets to the end times, didn't he? I said, well, I think so. So I said, all right, now let me explain the next thing. I said, so he arose on first fruits. He returns on first fruits with 144,000. They walk around on Mount Zion for about 50 days. Then 50 days later is Pentecost. Now you remember the scriptures said the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain. I said, but there's, uh, there's about four months between the last part of that verse and the first part of that verse. It did not say the dead in Christ shall rise all together with all of the rest of the bed uh, through the living in Christ. In other words, there's, there's two different kinds of resurrections there. I said the dead in Christ shall rise on Pentecost. And I didn't have time at that point to go in and explain about the bread and all of the, the, the powerful things that are so important about it. I said, but I said, so we, uh, arise on Pentecost. Remember the scripture where the, the angel said, What are these? Red, white robes, whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said unto me, These are they which came out of great tribulation, and washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they before the throne of God. I said, That's right here. That's the marriage supper of the Lamb. I said, So we arise on Pentecost. We go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, how do we know the marriage supper of the Lamb is on Pentecost? Good question, right? He said, Absolutely. I said, Because in Exodus 13 is the very first time God spoke audibly to a large group of people, and that's when he offered the married vows. That's when he said, if you'll be my people, I'll be your God. And they said, whatsoever the Lord says, that we will do. In other words, they accepted the proposal. And I said, and that was on, and he interrupted me. He said, Pentecost. He said, of course. He said, you have. You put this thing together, hadn't you? I said, hang on, there's more. I said, so at the marriage supper of the Lamb, it's not about the bride like it is on earth. Instead, it's about the, 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 the groom. It's about Jesus. The bride, that's us, we only get two things. We get a wedding garment and we get a white horse to ride in return with him on about four months later. However, I said, Jesus changes. Here, and I pointed to the chart, he's the Lamb of God. But here, four months later, after the marriage supper of the Lamb, now he is Lion of the tribe of Judah. Before the wedding supper, he is the prince of the kings of the earth. A prince means he is an uncrowned king. Whereas on marriage supper of the Lamb, he is crowned king of kings and lord of lords. I said, and he gets many crowns, he gets a vesture dipped in blood, and he gets a white horse, and he gets a name written which no man knoweth save he himself. Then... At the marriage supper, he changes from lamb to lion. He changes from prince to king, and we get to watch that. And I said, I want to be there. I said, that's, and I said, in order to be there, you got to be dead by then. I said, I don't want to live to the end. I want to make certain I'm at the marriage supper of the lamb. He said, amen, I want to be there too. Four months later, then Jesus returns upon uh, trumpets, and that's the great harvest. That's Armageddon. That's one evening and one morning. And I said, we return with Jesus along with the barley and the wheat harvest, all on white horses. Jesus uses the morning star. I said, so let me explain the morning star. You remember the two witnesses? Yeah. I said, remember two witnesses says, these are my two witnesses. I give power to my two witnesses. They shall prophesy thousand three hundred and two thousand two hundred three score days clothed in sackcloth. If any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of his mouth and devoureth their enemies. If any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. He said, yeah. I said, that's the morning star. I said, remember, you go back to Revelation 3, and it says, And he that overcometh and keepeth my works to the end, the same will I give power of the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessel of a potter, they shall be broken to shivers, shivers as ashes, even as I received of my father, and I will give him the morning star. He said, of course. I never saw it that way. I said, far as I know, nobody 
was shown this. This is all new revelation. Nobody, nobody, uh, again, far as I can tell, and I said to this point, I've not received one email saying I from anybody I knew anything that was already in your book. In other words, it's all new revelations. It's all new information for the end. It's not about me. It's not because I'm smart or anything. It's because we really are close to the end. He said, amen. I said, so on the day of trumpets or the day of the Lord, that is Armageddon, the judgment of fire. This is the judgment by fire. This is when he returns to burn up all of the tares, all of those people that look like Christians, maybe the new Christians, maybe even set in the pews, but they weren't Christians. They're all burned up and those that are left standing are those that have come through the fire. This is the judgment seat of Christ. Everyone, everyone, everyone that has ever, as Jesus entered the heart, reports to the judgment seat of Christ. Jesus is the judge. Along with him, two angels return, having two sharp sickles, and they slash the grapes. That's the reason it says the winepress are trodden without the city, and blood came out of the winepress, even out of the horse bridles, for the space of 1,600 furlongs. He said, you got it. You put this thing together, didn't you? I said, well, I believe so. I believe so. I said, now... I said, I do not discuss the rapture in the book. I did the book, the word rapture does not appear in the book any place. I said, however, if people really want to look, it is in the charts because right here on the day of the Lord, the judgment of fire, it says the dead since Pentecost, and then it has a dot, 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 we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be in the Lord. I said, meaning, just like Matthew thirteen thirty says, gather you first the tares, that's the people that look like Christians, but they don't have any fruit, they're not Christians, gather you first the tares, bind them in bundles, cast them into the fire, then gather my wheat into the barn. The barn is the new Jerusalem. I said, now, 10 days later on atonement, that's when everyone that has not received Jesus Reports That means like Adam, Eve, Daniel, Jonah, uh, all of those guys that had not heard of Jesus, even though they're good people, everyone, everyone, everyone that has not asked Jesus under the heart, they all report to the great white throne. Jesus is the judge. No one alive reports to the great white throne. Only those that are dead. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. Another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things written in the books according to the works, and the sea gave up the dead which are in them, and the death and hell delivered up the dead which are in them, and they were judged, every man according to his works. He said, right, of course. He said, I've never seen it this way. I've never. I said, well, far as I know, no one else has. I didn't see it this way either. This all new revelations to me too. I said, this didn't come from any studying. This and it did. I don't think it really came from me memorizing the book of Revelation. I said, this is from the throne, brother. He said, you're right. He said, you're right. I said, look, and that's, let me make this plain. I am not saying that this is the word of God. This is not like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I said, but I'm saying it's not Stan Johnson either. It's, it's above my intelligence quotient. I mean, God gave the world something very powerful in this book. He said, you're right, brother. He said, now what's next? Trumpets is on the first day of the seventh month. That is the day of the Lord. That's the judgment seat of Christ. That's the judgment by burning. Then 10 days later is atonement, and that is the judgment by books. That's the great white throne. Those not in Christ are judged. Then five days later is the new Jerusalem, the golden city, 250 miles square, made of pure gold, clear as glass, 
And I said, that's when I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down to heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will be their God, and they shall be with him and be their people. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, no sorrow, no crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. He said, he showed you. He showed you the end. I said, well, I believe so. Yeah. He said, oh, man, i got to have one of these books. I'm happy to pay for it. No, 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 you're your you're friend. I'll give you the book. I said, however, the way I offered the book, I said, I'm not suggesting you pay for it, not being a friend here in my own home. But I said, here's the way I, I, I ask for support for it. I said, one's for 20, but I tell people don't do that. Five for 30. It gives him four books to give away. He said, so you're basically just giving them four books. I said, yeah, that's right. And it said, or 10 for 55. He said, so what you're basically saying, just buy one book, and I'm going to give you either four or give you the other nine free. I said, yeah, yeah, that's basically what we're saying. I said, the reason is because it's deep. I, I try to avoid the word complicated because complicated means you can't understand it. You can understand it, but it just takes some study. You know, it takes some time, serious time reading. As a matter of fact, I said when I was signing the book at this last uh, Sevenfold Miracle Crusade, he said, yeah, you got to tell me about those too. It said, well, as one lady come up, he said, let me tell you about your skinny little book. <laughs> she said, I got your skinny little book in the mail. And I thought, well, she said, I'm, a, I'm an avid reader. She said, I read two or three books a week. And I got your skinny little book. I said, I'll blow through that in three hours. She said, well, that was two weeks ago. I said, what happened is the average book is about forty to 45,000 words. I said, they put a single column in this big, thick paper, and they, make the, it, and they do it all to make the book look thicker so that they can charge more for the book. I said, I don't want to do that. I said, so I put it in a six-by-nine format. Why? Because the typical Bible is six-by-nine inches. I wanted them to be able to carry it with their Bible. Probably, if they have a zipper Bible, they can carry it right in their Bible with them. I said, next thing, I want to put it on this yellow paper. I want to use high-quality, nice, bright, white paper. He said, yeah, I see. I said, but I also had to put it on thin paper. And, and the only paper that's thinner than this is Bible paper, you know, parchment. He said, this, I said, this is very thin paper, a nice bright white. I said, but I also had him put it in dual column. Why? Because you can get more text per page in dual column, meaning that the book is thin, and when you first get it, you think, well, I can blow through this in three hours. I said, but actually, there's 85,000 words of this. Actually, this is about twice the amount of information that there is in your typical book. But because it is so deep... Everybody that's reading it says, I got to read it twice. And there's a lot of times where they say, I, you know, I'll read a sentence or I'll read a paragraph. I have to go back and reread the paragraph, go look at the charts. I got to, to think about it. Matter of fact, one of the other comments, the compliments that I hear about the book is people say, you know, it's, it's all, it's heavily scriptured. There's no question what you're saying is right. But there's a lot of times I have to read it and I have to look at the chart, and it requires soaking time because it's so much new information. No one has ever seen this like that. I said, yeah, right. I said, so that's, that's what we're trying to do. He said, how's it going? I said, I don't know. I think we sold over 10,000 copies in whatever, a couple of months. I don't know what it is, two, three months, but it's going pretty good. I said, people really like the book. They really, really like the book. He said, give me that book. i gotta have <laughs> I got to have that book. So... That's kind of a, a brief overview. Oh, now, let me talk briefly about the other chart. So the one chart is the seals, trumpets, and vials. 
Then the other chart is the feasts. And, and I explained to him, I said, the bottom part of the chart are the feasts. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven feasts. You know, Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, Pentecost, trumpets, atonement, and tabernacles. But the top part of the chart are the prophecies of Revelation dropped into those seven prophecy or those seven feasts charts. So that the top part of the prophecies of Revelation, the bottom part are the feasts of Leviticus fit together. He said, yeah, I've never seen it like that. He said, I said, that's wonderful. I said, now let me explain the other chart. And I said, now one of the other audible voice was that the seven seals play over seven years, seven trumpets, seven months, seven vials, the last seven days. I said, by looking at this, you can see how the whole end time chart and whole last seven years rolls out. By looking at this, you can go through and you can read and understand. You can read and understand Revelation like maybe never before. He said, I have never seen this. He said, God has showed you something really powerful. I said, yeah, I, I believe so. I said, you know, the, you look at some of the letters that we've got. I said, yeah, we've got a lot of letters, a lot of compliments. People really like the book. Now, for you out there listening on radio, let me read some of the comments we've got. Stan, here's my thoughts on your wonderful book. It's easy to read and, surprisingly, easy to understand. I must say that up to this point, I wasn't that clear on understanding that much about the book of Revelation. But my spirit bears witness that Stan has perfectly assembled all the pieces into one final masterpiece of events. And, to sum up my personal experience, I would have to say it like this. Reading the book, The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy, has been a supernatural experience. I actually feel the anointing increasing in my spirit, man. This has created an unusual phenomenon of compelling me to want to keep going back over and over, rereading it again, even though I sort of understood it the first time. This reminds me of how for years I've heard people and pastors say that you get a blessing for just reading the book of Revelation. Well, I never saw that blessing until now, Stan has truly put together the keys to unlock and unveil Bible prophecy. The proof is that your anointing will increase when reading it. This is probably an added gift from our loving Father to counteract the content which reveals graphic final events. Your sister in Christ, Joy. Another one. I think the book is a great book to help navigate through these last days. It's been easy to read, but definitely deep that you will find yourself rereading parts and looking into your Bible for full contexts of verses. I feel it has opened my understanding to seeing and understanding Bible prophecy. The charts did help, although I felt that the book explained it to where you didn't really need them. But I will say this as a little aside, most people love the charts. I did learn how strong the connection between the feasts and the workings of God really are. I believe everyone will learn something no matter where their level of knowledge is. I did get a witness of the spirit of the truth in it, and also, I believe it will help to be a light to me to see things especially as they relate to the last days. I think someone could read this book first, and it would help Revelation leap from the pages even if they are new to it, because I haven't been in prophecy very long and it has helped me. What I like is that every page has me glued to the pages and learning more and more about our Lord. Dear Stan, just wanted to write to you and let you know that I love your book and keep reading over it and over it. As a student of Bible prophecy for many years now, I've tried to keep out of reading books about prophecy as I felt most of them are just people's personal opinions. That's just the opinions of the writers, but 
in your case, you back every point with many scriptures that are right on, and I felt that the Spirit of the Lord is guiding as I read and drink it in. I'm not going to lie and tell you that I drank it all in at the beginning, but after prayerfully considering every point with the scriptures backing it, I became amazed and could hardly put it down. I feel like the Lord has anointed and guided you through it all. Also, I found that the quality of paper, the size of the book, and the two columns per page made it very easy to read. It's not a very long book, but did take me a good part of the week to get to the end. There is so much information and revelation to take in. I could not wait to pick it up and begin reading again. It made prophecy more easily understood. I never studied prophecy myself until a few years ago. I did grow up hearing about the second coming of Jesus all my life, but this book answered a lot of questions and gave so much information. It also corrected some misteaching that I'd had that was incorrect. I did read everything on both sides of both charts as suggested before starting the book, but for me, I found that I was more drawn in by the words leaping off the pages and into my spirit than I did looking at the charts. I've been saved for 42 years. My father was a pastor for 16 years. My mother and I attended a three-year Bible school in our hometown. I will say that I learned so much that I wouldn't know where to start. I just finished the book yesterday, and I'm still taking it all in. I know that I will be reading it many times, as many as possible, before the end. I wouldn't be so quick to start sharing it, but I believe that the revelation is from God. During my work day, God is already speaking to me about things coming up in my life because of this book. I was very touched at the end how you shared us your tips on memorization. That's personal information, and I thank you for putting it in the book. It will definitely be of value to me. I've read Revelation myself a few times and did not receive this revelation or level of understanding. I learned so much that I wouldn't know where to begin to explain how this book has opened my spiritual eyes. This book was an answer to prayer. I'm sure, like you and everybody else, we pray and see God for answers that don't always come when we want them, or how we thought they would come. But, thank goodness, God is in control and His time is perfect, and I loved this book, from cover to cover. What I liked the least was that it was over. Here's another one. This book is awesome. I can't put it down. I ordered 10 and sent them back to my home town of Michigan to my sister and a few pastor friends and some people here in San Antonio. And I'll obviously be ordering more since I've given them all away, except for the copy I'm reading. Here's another one. Stan, I've read your book and I'm reading it over and over. There's so much information. It's hard to read a lot at a time. Every time I read it over again, I pick up something new. I haven't found anything that I disagree with or have a bad feeling about. It lines up with scripture. I really enjoyed reading about the parables, how you explained them, and it all made very good sense for me. I'm thinking young Christians should be reading this before they get misled by false teachings. When I started reading this book, as soon as I finished chapter 3, I just had to start it all over again. This occurred two more times once I read through chapter 3. The book is written in simple terms, easy to discern, for it is very well written. Here's another one. Hi, Stan. I finished reading your excellent book, and I find it hard to disagree with anything you wrote in it, because you did very well in supporting your points with actual biblical scriptures to support your topics and statements. Here's another one. Good morning, Stan. Love your book. 
My question is, what is the difference between the tares and the grapes? I can't find an answer in your book. And actually, I didn't have an answer to that. That didn't occur to me in the book, but since I prayed about it, I've got an answer. The tares grow among the wheat. In other words, as you look at the wheat being the Christians, those are the people that look like Christians, perhaps even sit in the pews next to the Christians, work with them, live with them, live in the same neighborhood. But in the end days, they're not a part of the harvest, and they're gathered and burned first. But those are the ones that live next to the Christians. But the grapes, well, the grapes don't live among the wheat. The grapes are the people that are not even close. They're not even close. In other words, like, for example, probably China or maybe Japan that is mostly Buddha and things like that. In other words, it would be a nation that has very, very, very few Christians, very few tares. It's a grape nation. It's one where there are just very few Christians in it. So the tares are the ones that live among the wheat, and the grapes don't even live around the wheat. If you'd like to get the book 1 for 20, 5 for 30, 10 for 55, a case of 60 for $250. 1 for 20, don't do that. Get at least 5 for 30 or 10 for 55. That way you have some extra copies to give to some of your friends. And my challenge is, if you'll read the first 13 pages, I believe you'll be giving the book away to all of your friends. 1 for 20, 5 for 30, 10 for 55, or a case of 60 for $250 at prophecyclub.com. The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. 1 for 25, 30, 10 for 55 at prophecyclub.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your prayers. And thank you for your gifts of support. God bless.